Well, here we are. You know, the confidence that we have in God and His Word is an amazing thing that we many times, I think, take for granted. Because as I stand here this morning knowing um, we have hurting people here in our midst. Um, We know of hurting people around our community, around our country, around the world. And we think of all that's going on everywhere it seems you turn. And what is coming to the uh, New Orleans area of, of our country, this hurricane and the damage that they're anticipating. And, you know, I, I, the, the increasing in the COVID deaths and people sick and dying. And, and it's like, what in the world do I have to say that matters? That'll make a difference. That can even hold a candle to all of the stuff that we're feeling around us everywhere. Well, I have the truth, the hope of the gospel. That's what we have. And we're going to talk about spiritual gifts today. We're going to begin a journey through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Three chapters that talk about this whole business of spiritual gifts. And, and, uh, you know, it really is. We can get caught up in all of what the, the controversy is as it relates to those gifts. And I'll get to that in just a little bit, in just a little way, but... If I told you this morning that God has not only provided a way of rescue for you from your sin, that he's provided a means of forgiveness from your sins, that he's provided a way to change your status as an individual from an enemy of God to a child of God, that he desires to give you a home in heaven when you die, we'd rejoice. And many of you would say, I, 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 man, I know that truth. I'm grateful. But listen, there's more. When you believe that God said in his word, the Bible, that Jesus died in our place, in your place, in my place, for our sins, for my sins, for your sins, And that when we believe and receive that truth by faith, trust what God said and what Jesus Christ did, He will also so completely change your life that you will have the ability to do the good works that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 to do those works, to serve others, those good works that will benefit other believers, those good works that will build up the church, and the guarantee that as you do those good works, because of the ability that God gives you, you will have success. You don't have to worry about getting involved in serving God and and messing up 
Oh, we do sometimes. We, we mess up. We forget things. Or even on a Sunday morning, the, the, the sound doesn't work. Or the, uh, an instrument is broken. Or, or you had a flat tire on the way. Or whatever it may be. And, and with all of that stuff, God has given us the ability to serve one another in this place that we call Heritage Baptist Church. I don't mean the building, I mean the gathering. And he has given us the ability to serve one another in a way that can be an encouragement and a help to each other. And in a way, he's given us that opportunity to minister to people who do not know Jesus so they can hear the truth, they can gain the hope, and they can become part of the body of Christ, the church, and know the truth and the hope that Jesus Christ brings. And I want to talk to you about that as we begin this whole business of spiritual gifts. Open your Bibles with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at the first 11 verses this morning. And if you don't have a Bible underneath the chair in front of you, there should be a Bible close at hand. And uh, in that Bible, page 799. Of course, if you have your phone or tablet, uh, you find 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm just going to read for you the first 11 verses. Follow along with me, please, uh, this morning as I do that. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, Paul's talking to the church again in Corinth. And uh, he says, now about, so he's introducing a new topic. He's introducing another question that the church had written to him about. We know that began back in chapter one, chapter 7, verse 1, when he talked about the letter that was delivered. Now about, so he's responding to their question. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, before you were saved, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given to the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11. The, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them, the gifts, to each one just as He determines. Today, as we begin this study, we're going to just give you a little taste of this business of spiritual gifts. Some of the basics. Spiritual gifts have been one of the most controversial topics, subjects, uh, controversial and divisive. Divisive would be nothing new for the church in Corinth. 
And, uh, and that's been happening in the church for a lot of years. It certainly was happening here in the first century church in Corinth, and it's still happening today in churches all over the face of this earth. And Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 12, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know about this whole thing of spiritual gifts. And, Paul, and, and, and so, like Paul this morning, I, want, I don't want us to be uninformed. I don't want us to be unaware. I don't want us to be unknowing of the power of spiritual gifts. Don't get caught up in all the controversy and divisiveness that this can bring. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that today and, and as well as we move through this study. Uh, but when it comes to understanding spiritual gifts, it seems to me that on the one hand, there are a number of believers, those who know Jesus as part of the church, who, who have an understanding of what spiritual gifts are and, and could even name some of them and understand that it has a little bit to do with serving God in some way. But then on the other hand, think of spiritual gifts as this whole business of speaking in tongues and healing and the miraculous things and, and, and shouldn't we be doing that and what about those who are doing and we don't think they should be and, and, and that's where all of this controversy comes in. And I hope by the time that we're finished these three chapters, we won't be uninformed because we'll understand what Paul says, what God's Word says. So as to the controversy, the question is simply, are the miraculous gifts, the miraculous spiritual gifts, still for the church today? Now, just big picture, I'm talking about healing, about tongues, about prophecy, and I'm talking about them as gifts that God gives individual believers to use, healing. Well, of course we believe in healing. God heals. We pray for people. And continue to pray for Marge McGrew. I was able to see her this week in the nursing home. And she's not well, folks. Well, why would we pray for healing? I don't have that gift. It would be great if I could just touch her shoulders or head or, and say, please be healed. And she, I, I, That's the gift of healing. I don't have that ability. But we pray because we believe God can heal her. Amen. So the question is, are the miraculous spiritual gifts for the church today? Should we be looking for people who can heal? Should we be speaking in tongues? Should we be looking for a prophet to stand up amongst us? Well, there are two basic positions on that question with variations, and we'll talk about the variations next week. But the two basic positions are called continuationism. Yes, the word continuationism. And what that simply means is the gifts that we read about in the book of Acts and through primarily there, but in some of Paul's letters of the miraculous power and spiritual gifts that way, that they have continued on into the church today, into the culture in the 21st century. The answer would be yes, those gifts are still for individuals and churches today. The other response or the other side of that question is cessationism has to do with, it. have those gifts ceased? Have they stopped? Were they only for the first century churches, which basically the book of Revelation was written towards the end of that first century, and after that, do those gifts 
Are they still needed? Are they still necessary for the work of God in the church today? And uh, that's the controversy, so let's jump in. When we look at verses 2 and 3, look at verse 2. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Paul has already talked about this whole business of idolatry and following, worshiping demons. We looked at that in the, in the, the gray areas, the meat offered to idols, which Paul said really, in effect, were demons. They were brick or rock or stone or wood or whatever it may be and they they weren't really gods that could do anything but for people who followed them this satan himself was able to use the influence of those in a, in a demonic way and so paul is talking about when you were before you were saved as pagans and you were led astray somehow influenced by mute idols Mute, dumb, lifeless, not able to speak, powerless to do anything. And pagan religions in and around Corinth were involved, uh, practiced ecstatic speech. Like we know sometimes tongues is called ecstatic speech. And, and, and so the, the, the idol worship around Corinth and the cities there in Greece had that involved in it. And so he's saying to them, understand when you were involved in those pagan religions. He said, you were being led astray. You need to be careful about that. And that was demonic influence. Verse 3, therefore I want you to know, because that was true and you've come out of that. He says, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God, verse 3, says... Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He said, understand that. I don't care what ecstatic utterance you, if you, you, you comes out of your mouth. If you don't know God, you're not of the Spirit of God. That's what Paul's saying. And if you say Jesus be cursed and it's an ecstatic utterance, people shouldn't believe it because you would never say that by the Spirit of God. But if you, in fact, say, but Jesus is Lord, you can know that the Holy Spirit of God is actively involved in that individual. And Paul was seeking to differentiate those who were speaking under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit of God and those who were not. And you say, really? Did, did that happen? It happened then? And folks, it still happens today. And we many times explain that away, but because we say, well, I, I heard it with my own ears. I saw it. I, I know people that do this. Okay, that doesn't mean it's of God. It wasn't here, and it doesn't mean it is now either. Now listen, that happened. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And, and I'm, I'm not going to take the time, but if you want to look at verses 16 through 18, you'll know the story because this is what got Paul and Silas thrown into prison in Philippi. You remember the earthquake and all the rest of that and they were there and the chains fell off and the Philippian jailer got saved. Well, what led up to that was there was a, a slave girl who could go, who had a spirit, a demonic spirit, who would go around predicting the future and people would make money off of her ability to do that. 
And she was following Paul around in the ministry there, and, and, and he got fed up with it. The Bible says, the NIV says, annoyed. I, I would understand that. And turned around and cast out that demon. You say, what? Well, it would appear to many that that slave girl was doing things that were of God, when in fact, they were not. And so just like it happened then, it happens today. In fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, check that out, verse 14, when Paul talks about Satan appearing as an angel of light. And then he said, it's no wonder that others who serve him also appear as angels or ministers of righteousness. The devil's slick, folks. Subtle. Deceptive. He blinds people to that truth. And we need to be aware that that happens. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts. And that word is abilities. It is the word for grace, charisma. He goes on, there are different kinds of gifts or abilities, but the same Spirit distributes them. The Holy Spirit of God, verse 5. There are different kinds of service. He was talking about ministries. Various ministries. You're gonna, we have a ministry fair this morning. You're going to be able to be part of that. And as he talks about the same Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, there are different kinds of working or the effects of those ministries, the effects of those spiritual gifts. Workings are results of what the Spirit of God uses individuals to produce. But in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Paul's talking about diversity of gifts and abilities and ministries. He's talking about the different results, the effects that come as a result of the ministry of the Spirit of God through God's people. But I want you to see he's also talking about these come, though the diversity of gifts and ministries, they all come from one God, a unified God. And it's mentioned, verse 4, the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, the Lord, that's Jesus Christ. Verse 6, God the Father, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, involved in equipping God's people to serve. Verse 7, at each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation simply means that it's a demonstration, a, a, a visual display, a visible display of the Holy Spirit's work in using God's people to accomplish God's work. And the gifts of the Spirit are for the common good, for the church, not for individuals. Now, You'll need to hold on to that, remember that, because as we talk later, as we get more into these gifts and answering the question, are they for today or not, one of the things that we find out many times is they're all individualized. That's not what they're for. It's not for you in your house, or you in your car, or you in your workplace. It's about the ministry of the church for the common good, for the building up of the church. And then verses 8, 9, and 10, Paul gives us a list of some of those gifts. I read through that. Uh, to one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, 
verse 10, to another miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits. That was what Paul was saying we needed to, that needed to be done at that point, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, those are the manifestations. Those are the visible evidence of those gifts, those workings, those ministries which took place in the first century church. And as we talk about that, though, the question again, that's the controversy should they be happening today? Well, we'll get to that. But there are other manifestations of the Spirit. There are other lists in Romans 12, here in 1 Corinthians 12, and at the end of chapter 12. There are also in Ephesians chapter 4, and in the general way in 1 Peter chapter 4. But some of the gifts that we also have here, ministering, helps, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, showing mercy, evangelism, pastor, teacher. And the thing about spiritual gifts is when you have that ability, God-given ability, we'll talk about that in a minute, it doesn't mean that only you should do that. For instance, giving is a gift. That doesn't mean, well, I don't have the gift of giving. Ah, I don't have to give anymore. That's not what it means. It means because you have the gift of giving. When you give, it's like you got the Midas touch. You have the ability to give, and God gives you that ability to give and give and give, and he gives you more so you can give and give and give in ways that you can't explain because that is the way a spiritual gift works. Verse 11, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Folks, we sometimes are told you need to seek certain gifts. You need to pray that God would give you certain gifts. No, you don't. Paul says, all these, all these gifts, these manifestations of the Spirit are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He, the Holy Spirit of God, who is God, the one triune God, He distributes them to each one just as He determines. God gifts us. He gives us the gifts. We don't look for them. We don't pray for them. We don't work for them. We don't go to school for them. God gives them to us. So what now? What do we need to know as we wrap this up about spiritual gifts? Let me give you some basics, four basic thoughts. Number one, they are God-given special abilities to build up the body of Christ. That is the definition of a spiritual gift. You can find different ones, but that's the basic God-given special abilities that are used to build up the body of Christ. That's the local church. And uh, Paul talks about that, given for the common good in verse 7 here of chapter 12. Number two, every believer has at least one. You may have more than one, but you don't have them all. And again, we're told there in verse 7 that God gives, he distributes to each of us, to every believer, has at least one spiritual gift. You may have more than one, but you don't have them all. If you had them all, you wouldn't need the body. Right? If you had all the gifts, we wouldn't need each other. You could go out and do your own thing wherever, but that's not how it works. Number three, they are given by the Spirit at conversion as He wills, as He determines, as He sovereignly decides who gets what gift and who doesn't. We'll talk more about this. And again, in verse 11 of chapter 12, that's what we're talking about. Gifts are not based on spiritual maturity. 
They don't come after you've been saved for a while and get more spiritual and more godly and more education and more experience in some area. That's not what it's about. They are given at conversion as God, excuse me, as God wills. And then fourth, your gift is essential for the efficient functioning of the church. Do you realize the church needs you? If you know Jesus today, you've been gifted. You have a God-given special ability to use in serving God's people to build up the body of Christ. And you using that is essential in this local body. If you're not serving, this church is lacking something. Does that make sense to you? If you're not using the God-given special ability that he's given you, this church is going to be less than it ought to be. And so for whatever reasons people choose to leave a church, they're walking away from that local body and taking part of the ministry with them. You say now, well, doesn't God have anything to do with that? Well, in his sovereignty, absolutely. But when people leave for all, for just because I, I can't get along with the family or I don't like this or I don't like that. See, that's why we are a family. We figure it out. And unless we're talking heresy or something like that, we figure it out and we serve together and we build the body for the glory of God. You are needed. And each of us are responsible as a steward to faithfully use those gifts. Now that's in a real small nutshell, as they say. A basic understanding of spiritual gifts. Would you stand with me and we will pray. You come back next week. We're going to dig into this whole business of spiritual gifts and all of the answering of our question won't happen all next week, but we're going to get to it. It'll take us a while.